Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Good? All right. Turn with me in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 4. And then the book right before that, um, just put a finger over in James chapter 1. And in your uh, bulletins that you're handed, we also put in there a message note card for you to take notes. Um, and we really believe firmly in not just being hearers of the word, but being doers of the word. So at the bottom of that card, there's a question on how are you going to apply what you heard today to your life. So just encourage you to grab that. If you need a pen, just wave down one of the ushers. They can get you a pen. Well, like Pastor Denny said, the title of today's message is You Have Taught Me to Say. Whether you are going through a tough time, a trial, or a tragedy, if you are willing to learn from God, He can teach you to say, even through those times, It is well with my soul. Growing up, it wasn't easy for me to learn, not because I had a learning disability, because unlike any of you, I was a little hard-headed and stubborn. So I wouldn't just have to be taught something once, kind of like the whole, why did that just snap on my finger? You know, I wanted to touch it again. How did that snap on my finger? And then I wanted to tear it apart, put it back together again, and do it again. Because I wanted to, well, I was, it's not that I could just, somebody could tell me this is what I needed to do. It's like I physically had to feel why I shouldn't do what I was told not to do. And then I'm like, oh, I could be taught. Well, hopefully, and as you grow older, you realize you can learn lessons from other people's pain and go, oh, that happened. I'm not going to do that then. I'm going to go this way. That's what I'm hoping, and that's why I love the word because God didn't edit out the trials, the tough times, or the tragedies. Because he said, all this is for your example, for you to see and know, oh, so if I do this, this is going to happen. So how about we just not do this? So that's what I'm going to try to teach you today is not really trying to figure out who is causing the problems or, or who's attacking you, or, or the, but to find out how you can learn through the tough times, the trials, and the tragedies. So no matter what you're facing, God can teach you if you're willing to learn. And I know when we were offered the position to move up here and start pastoring up here, um, me and Brian and the two boys that were left in our home, everybody else has moved away grown up. Anyway, um, we began fasting and praying. And at the end of however long we fasted and pray a week or whatever to really know, God, are you calling us up here? Is this where we're supposed to go? Everybody, we sat around the table and I said, okay, well, what did God say to you this week? You know, that we was fasting and pray. And everybody, you know, we each had a word and it was like confirmation we're supposed to go. But one word that Tyler gave, um, that has not left me because it keeps, I hear his voice echo through my head every time something else and I learn something else. His word he got is when we do move up there, we will be schooled in the Holy Spirit. And I thought, I thought I knew the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is called our teacher. 
We're supposed to be ever learning. It's the hard-headed, stubborn ones, like I, I'll say used to be, that if we apply ourselves and set our minds to, he's our Holy Spirit, he's our teacher, and he wants to school us through things. I mean, any good father doesn't want his children to hurt. He would like it, right? If you, He never had to spank us or correct us. Just do what I say. Just learn. And that's what we need to do is apply ourselves to learn through tough times, trials, and tragedies. So in 1 Peter chapter 4, and I'm just going to pop out a couple scriptures. I, I promise they're in context the way I've been teaching you the last however long. Um, but to make my point, I want us to look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and verse 19. Verse 12 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. And then verse 19 says, so then, and he goes on, remember we've been learning how to, if it says so then or therefore or so that, there's reasons for those. We went into a long list of, you know, trials and sufferings and hang on and you can do it. So then... Those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. In other words, learn. Don't give up. Don't think because you failed that test, you can just, you know, the oh, woe is me, I'm horrible, I'm rotten, and roll around on the carpet. But learn. Stay committed. Stay, stay focused. Keep going. Don't let go. Continue to do good. And then in James chapter 1, the book before this, James chapter 1, verse 2, says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish it's work so that, how do you develop perseverance? Keep going through the test. Keep learning through the test. Keep applying yourself, setting your mind so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And verse 12, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Again, our focus is not to determine who or what is bringing the tough time, the trial, or the tragedy. But how we can learn through them. And like I said, learn from other people's trials. Learn from other people's tough times. Learn from other people's tragedies so that you can pass a test you don't even have to go through yourself. See how easy that would be? Hello. I like them because I don't like tests. I like freeze. I'm one of those that have to cram, 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 and then hurry up. Give me the test. Mm, don't talk to me. Don't even chew gum during it. Get it all out, and then I can walk away. But if I can actually plug into somebody else who's been through a test and just download 
their lesson and then walk away and not have to go through it ourselves. That's what he's saying here. Set your mind to God. Continue with God. Stay focused on God. And he'll take you through and learn. You'll learn through these. So let's look at these three tough times. Tough times, I want to look at them as they're a result of your choices. Tough times are a result of your choices. Either blatant rebellion or let's just say a series of not so good choices. Which bring consequences. Today, let's just refer to them as tough times. And there's something that's bugging me. Okay, never mind. These tough times teach us to correct our course. They're like the rumble strips in the center and the sides of the road. That you start to drift this way and you start to drift this way. And, and let me just tell you, those sometimes are fun on long trips when somebody in the car starts to fall asleep. <laughs> I have to admit, Brian's probably, he's already given me that look, don't do it. I have to. I have to do it. We had a minivan, and when mom and dad first moved up here, we'd, you know, pile everybody in the minivan, drive up here, and, you know, even if we could only stay the day and, you know, get back in the van and go back home again. Well, on one of those trips, I mean, I would always push Brian to the max. He's like, I got to work in a little bit. And I'm like, sleep in the van, you know. Who can really sleep in a van? But we talked him into it. Said, we promise we'll put you way to the back of the van. We'll lay the seats down so you can spread out like a bed back there, you know, and really sleep. And he's like, all right, whatever. So we got him back there, and he's sleeping. I'm driving the speed limit. Anyway, I'm looking in the rear view mirror. And the boys, I think, I can't remember if Char was with us or not, but all the boys, it was a long time ago. And they're like, wow, Dad's really snoring. I'm like, yeah, he's really sleeping. Like at the rumble strips. <laughs> and I said, but when I do, there's nobody uh, following us in the highway, nothing. I said, I'll slam on the brakes, hit the rumble strips at the same time, and everybody yells. <laughs> And they're like, yeah, you know, boys. And so I'm like, here we go. Okay, so we did it. Perfect timing. Break, slam, rumble strips, yell. Brian came straight, because we're watching in the rearview mirror, and the boys are watching. He comes straight up. Ah, and as soon as he saw all of our faces, he's like, I hate you all. <laughs> it's like, boys, that was horrible. Why'd we do that? But they go, I, the rumble strips are there for a reason. So that if you start drifting this way or drifting that way, those will wake you up. And usually that's it, isn't it? You're either not paying attention and you're drifting off course or you're starting to get lazy and tired and laid back. And that's a lot like our Christian lives can get. And those tough times we go through are our choices because we're laid back, lazy, tired, not paying attention, just kind of lethargic in our, in our walk with the Lord. And like the prodigal son, he had rumble strips after rumble strips going off trying to warn him. The story is the son asked the father for his inheritance before the father was even dead, which is a spit in the face. I mean, I can't even tell you how horrible that was in that culture to ask for your inheritance before your father's even dead. 
So warning signals should have been going off there. But then when he took the money, he left his father's house. Another warning signal should have went off. Where are you going? You got everything right here. And then he started just blowing his money, blowing his money. Well, every time he reached in his wallet and noticed money starting to disappear. Oh, how did that happen? Should have been warning signals, warning signals, warning signals. But it wasn't until he was sitting at the trough of the pig's food, slop, and starting to uh, want some of it, that he realized something's wrong. Yeah. By his choices, he brought on not just a tough time, a series of tough times. Or more, maybe your warning signals are a little bit more subtle. Maybe like a leaky gas tank in your car. You get into your car every day and you smell the fumes, but it's like, hmm, still drives. Just keep going. Or maybe you know you're riding the rumble strips. You hear the rumble strips. You know you're riding the rumble strips. But what do you do? What's your choice? Nothing. Just apathy. Just continue on. I love tattoos. I think they're one of the coolest things that a person can do. I mean, honestly, like, I've got an owl underneath my left arm to represent my wife. She loves owls, so she's close to my heart. We've got a, a tree branch down here uh, that's my family tree. You know, I've got my son on here, the, the baby that we lost. And uh, Jeremiah twenty nine twelve. in those days when you pray, I will listen. See, these have meaning to me. There's a reason for it. I've got a, a boat that's uh, on the water that's going, the tempest that tests us. It's all testing... See, on here, I'm working on a piece that's opposites. You see, on this side, I've got a dead tree. I've got the darkness, the moon. And see, on this side, we've got a, a, a tree that's alive. It's flourishing. You see sunbeams coming out from behind it. If you don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Brenda's son, her oldest son, and I grew up in church. Um, I knew everything. You know, uh, from as long as I can remember, my mom was pastor mom. <laughs> I mean, some of my earliest memories were uh, running around in the church basement in Charlotte Assembly of God when they were cleaning and I was making a mess. They <laughs> I mean, I remember being drugged to Sunday night revival services when in my little like six year old mind, they were going far too long. <laughs> but then I saw everyone going up to the front, and I'm like, yo, mom, I think I need to go in the front. Everyone else is getting prayed for, and then they get to take naps. I, I mean, that's me. I should do that. I, I, knew, I knew everything. I knew how to do everything, and I knew how to look the part. See, it came to a point in my life where I was getting older, and my, my relationship with Jesus was more outward. I, I knew how to look like I was worshiping. Uh, if you don't know, I, I play a lot of instruments. And my, my thing that I love to do the most is I love to play drums. I love getting behind them drums. I love banging on them drums, you know. And so it just became routine. It just became the motions. 
It came to this point where at our church down south, we, we have nights where it's just worship. We don't do anything else. We just have an hour and a half of worship. And I was asked uh, to play the drums, and I'm like, heck yeah. Um, so <laughs> I'm behind the drums, and in our church, our drums are caged completely. Um, so I was kind of feeling like away from everyone. And then probably 45 minutes in, you could tell Holy Spirit just decided to drop a bomb, and everyone was going crazy. Like, Holy Spirit was heavy. Holy Spirit was thick. Everyone in the congregation was just like, yo, we all need to just chill, you know. Everyone on the platform, I mean, even though we're playing, we're trying to be engaged to our music. I mean, they're just like, no, 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 no. And I can see from the drum set, something's happening. Holy Spirit is moving. And then it clicked that it wasn't happening to me. I was seeing it happen to everyone else. Why wasn't it happening to me? See, what had happened is I had allowed my life to just be for everyone else. I was able to put on the part so that everyone thought, Isaiah has got it down. But on the inside, underneath, I was empty. I was dead. It was night. And it was in that moment when I realized, oh my goodness, I just, I'm just caring about what everyone else thinks. I'm just, I'm just doing this. I'm lifting my hands when everyone else lifts their hands. I'm praying in tongues when everyone else is praying in tongues. I'm just walking when everyone else is walking. Hit me in that moment. I closed my eyes. I said, I'm playing drum still. God, what am I doing? What am I doing? And it was in that moment, is, I didn't even say, I just, God, what am I doing? Where I just felt, hmm, I'm in alone, in a room. And I'm still playing the drums to the song. That's all I can see. And then all of a sudden, it's just me and God. And I can tell it's just me and God. And it was in that moment when I realized it's not about pleasing everyone else. It's about pleasing an audience of one. Yeah. You see, for Isaiah, the tough time was going through his life intentionally oblivious to the true lack of Christ in his walk. He was content in the apathetic way he walked with Christ. What's your rumble strip today? Is there warning signals going off right now in your life? You know the story of King David and what he did? A man after God's own heart? When he looked upon another man's wife, when he was off to war, the husband was off to war, he sent for the wife, slept with her, got her pregnant even, and then because she was pregnant, he sent word, kill the husband in battle so then I can take her as my own wife and hide the fact of my bad choices. But it was Nathan the prophet that came to him and warned him, there's consequences coming, David, for your bad choices. You know, but not when we make bad choices, we don't have a prophet most of the time to come and warn us of the consequences. 
So these series of unfortunate events, if you want to call them, are plagued with some bad luck in his life. He was warned of beforehand, but some of us don't get that warning. You're about ready to go through. So it's easy for us to shrug our shoulders when trouble after trouble, tough time after tough time happens to us that we're like, oh, whose fault is it? Oh, I don't know. It's just life. But what if a prophet would come to you and say, your bad choices you just made are going to result in some consequences that you're not going to like. Now when those consequences start happening, they hit you like an arrow right to the heart. That was my fault. That was my choice. This came because of what I did. Today, if you're going through a tough time because of some choices you've made, my prayer for you today is that you hear the warning signals, the rumble strips right now. And at the end of this message, when I give the altar call, that you come back to the Father like the prodigal son did. And then after you leave here today, you can learn how to say, no matter my lot, no matter what consequences may come from my choices, you, God, have taught me to say, it is still well with my soul. Trials. So if tough time comes on us because of our choices, trials come upon us, not from us. They come upon us, not from us. Continuing with the example of the road, if tough times are like the rumble strips on the sides of the road, trials would be like the construction zones we all hate. But they're there to make corrections or improvements. And so trials come because there's a correction or an improvement that needs to be made, maybe in your character, maybe in your lifestyle, maybe in your routine. Maybe just to develop your faith, to develop perseverance in you. Think of Joseph in the Bible. He ended up the right hand to the king. He saved nations through the worst famine they had ever seen. But when God started pouring into this young man the dreams and the visions he had for him, his brothers say, not in my house, and they killed him. No, they didn't. They tried to kill him. They jumped on him, beat him up, sold him into slavery. He ended up a slave in Potiphar's house. Doing right. He served well as a slave, and yet when the wife tried to seduce him, and he stood the the test and said, no, I will not sin against God or my master. When he refused her, she yelled rape. He got thrown into prison for a crime he didn't commit. And what did he do? Oh, God, things always happen to me. Oh, it was me. Oh, it was me. Terrible times all the time. I'm no. He served well. He served well, even as a prisoner, as a slave. He served well, said the captain of the guards. He served well, and yet was forgotten down there to rot in prison. But the truth be told, this man would never, never be able to prosper in the palace until he learned 
to serve as a slave. God knew in order to be who he needed him to be in the palace, he was going to have to learn to serve well as a slave. That's what trials do for us. They have to make improvements. They have to do that in our character, in our life, to develop in us. So what will you do when trials come your way? And trials can be a, a loss of a job. See, remember, trials aren't something that come from us. They're things that come upon us. It could be a loss of a job. It could be a misunderstanding that damages your reputation. Those are the ones that I got, oh, I work so hard. I remember just saying this to somebody so long ago because, not so long ago, because they told me, um, they made me feel like I lied about something. And I said, I work my hardest all through my life when I gave my heart to the Lord because I was such a liar before I came back to the Lord to never tell a lie again, to always speak the truth, even when it hurts. And sometimes truth hurts. To say it hurts to admit and when they accused me of lying, it hurt me worse than, I mean, you could have slapped me around. But this one hurt me. So when misunderstandings, again, trial comes upon you or a bad report from a doctor, what will you do when the trials come your way? Again, trials come on us, not from us. So you need to set your mind to not grumble, not complain, not play the victim, Learn through them. Learn through them. Proverbs 3. Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust God. Trust God with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but submit all your ways to him. And he will direct your path. He might throw up a construction cone here or a construction cone there. That's okay. Because he's got improvements to make. Because in the end, in the end, perseverance must have its way so that in the end you'll be mature, not lacking anything. If you're going through a trial today, whatever the test may be, God's got the answer key. God's got the answer key. So when I give the call today, the altar call today, don't waste any more time trying to figure it out on your own. Come up front. People will pray with you, believe with you, that God will give you the answer you need. Or he may just say, trust me. I'm directing you. Just trust me. Keep going. Just trust me. And then you can say, when you leave here today, whatever trials may come my way, God has taught me to say, it is well with my soul. The last one I want to look at is tragedy. Nobody likes tragedy. Nobody likes tough times or trials either. But tragedy seems to come out of nowhere. So if tough times come on us because of our choices, trials come upon us, not from us. And tragedy, then tragedy comes as an unexpected event that alters life as you know it. Continuing with the example of the road, tough times being the rumble strips. Trials being those construction zones that need to make improvements in our cores. Then tragedies would be that bridge out ahead. Seek alternative route sign. Because life as you know it 
has been altered. Tragedy. Again, our focus is not to determine why, who, whose fault this is, but to how to learn through them. Remember, the title of this message is, You Have Taught Me to Say, which comes from my favorite hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Not because of its musical arrangement, but because of the story behind it. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. I want to share the video of the life, the man, the author behind the song, the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. His name is Horatio Spafford. Horatio Spafford was a well-known lawyer and businessman in Chicago in the 1860s, where he lived with his wife Anna and their five children. He had invested heavily in real estate along the shores of Lake Michigan. He was a prosperous man and a devout Christian. However, in 1870, a series of events began to turn Horatio's world upside down. That year, Horatio and Anna's only son died of scarlet fever at the tender age of only four. A year later, while the Spaffords were still grieving the loss of their son, the Great Chicago Fire broke out and destroyed nearly every one of Horatio's investments. His entire life savings was gone. Aware of the toll these disasters had taken on his family, Horatio decided to take his wife and four daughters on a holiday to England, where they planned to accompany the famous evangelist D.L. Moody on his next crusade. However, just before they set sail, a last-minute business development forced Horatio to delay. Not wanting to ruin the family holiday, he persuaded his family to go on as planned and he would follow along later. With this decided, Horatio stayed in Chicago while Anna and the girls boarded the French steamship Ville du Havre to set sail for England. But several days later, Horatio received devastating news. The Ville du Havre had been struck by an iron sailing vessel from England. The ship sank in only 12 minutes, claiming the lives of 226 passengers. It was the worst disaster in naval history until the sinking of the HMS Titanic 40 years later. The next day, he received a telegraph from Anna from Wales. It read these six words, 
survived alone. What should I do? The Spafford's four daughters were among those who perished. Hearing the terrible news, Horatio boarded the next ship out of New York to join his bereaved wife. During his voyage, the captain of the ship called him to the bridge. A careful reckoning has been made, he said, and I believe we are now passing the very place where the Ville du Havre sank. And it was there while staring into the watery grave of his beloved daughters, that Horatio penned the words to the great hymn, It is well with my soul. remembered another life that I've been studying lately, Marie Woodworth Eder. She was known as the mother of the Pentecostal movement. She was married and had six kids. Five of her six kids died at a young age. After almost 30 years married to Mr. Woodworth, he uh, committed adultery and they divorced. Some years later, she took on another husband, thought love could uh, develop again in her life, and then he died. Yet she didn't let it persuade her emotions, but she continued to say like uh, the Spaffords did, God, whatever my life, you've taught me to say, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul so what will you do when tragedy hits you or maybe you're sitting here today and you're you're rocked right now your world you've already seen the sign it was it's up right before your eyes now bridge out seek alternative routes your life is being altered as you sit here this morning and you don't know what to do my prayer for you is when Cassie begins to sing this song and I make the call for the altar that like the people going through the tough times, the people going through the trials, that you that are going through the tragedies will come up front and let us pray for you. We're locking arms with you. We want to learn with you. We want to be there for you because we know that God can teach you to say, no matter what comes my way, you've taught me to say it is well. It is well with my soul. So would you please all stand as we close. Cassie's going to sing this song for us today. And I want you to come up front and let us pray with you. Grander 